Alright, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. On many of the weekends in the recent months, I've been doing a segment about the serial killer Leonard Paradiso and the disappearance and murder of Joan Webster from 1981, a crime which is heavily connected to the 1979 murder of Maria Iannuzzi. But there is an alternative suspect in that case, and that is none other than the Zodiac Killer. And this is one of the instances where that weekend segment meets with Zodiac Mondays, because I want to look at a particular piece of information that allegedly links the murder of Joan Webster to the Zodiac Killer. Joan Webster disappeared on November 28, 1981, after leaving Logan Airport in Boston, Massachusetts. She was traveling because of Thanksgiving break. Joan was a graduate student at Harvard University, and she was studying architecture. I've had an opportunity to correspond at length with Eve Carson, who was the sister-in-law of Joan Webster and has published a book on the subject called Mommy's a Mole, Whale of a Tale. So she will share some insights in this one. And I would like to first um, talk about the Santa Claus card that was mailed in 1982 by differentiating it from some of the other Zodiac communications. I mean, when I was first learning about the Zodiac Killer and learning about all of the different correspondences and pieces of paper that had Zodiac Killer alleged handwriting on it, if that is the right word order in a sentence, I thought that anything Santa Claus, Christmassy, I thought it was all the same thing, but I want to be very clear. This is not the 1974 greeting card, which which talks about the disappearance of Donna Lass. Actually, I can pull that one up right now. That had a message on it that said, Holiday greetings and best wishes for a happy new year. Best wishes, Saint Donna and Guardian of the Pines. And this was mailed on December 27th of 1974. There was also a card that was mailed in 1990 called the Eureka card. And this one was uh, discovered much later on. Or, I mean, of course it was discovered in 1990, but um, it had been somewhat mishandled in the archives. It's the one that says, from your secret pal, can't guess who I am yet. Well, look inside and you'll find out. And it, like, um, it doesn't even feature a Santa Claus on that one. Instead, it has a snowman with glasses, actually a Groucho Marx pair of glasses, a red hat, and a green scarf. Groucho Marx may have actually been very influential on the Zodiac Killer, and um, I haven't watched this exact version, but apparently there's a Groucho Marx version of the Mikado that could have been the major inspiration behind the Zodiac and all of his references to the Mikado, or at least uh, something that the Zodiac had been familiar with. So um, there are numerous um, pieces of writing that have been written around the time of Christmas, and Robert Graysmith even talked about it, this in his book, Zodiac Unmasked, when he was saying that the Zodiac seemed to operate very close to holidays. In fact, many people believe that the Zodiac Killer was a single person, not a group, not a hoax, not even a partnership, because you have someone operating on nights, evenings, weekends, and holidays. And I'm not the biggest believer in that theory, but there are lots of things that we've just talked about, all all um, unconfirmed communications, of course, but 
there about Christmas. There's the much more confirmed Zodiac correspondence that also uses the phrase secret pal known as the Halloween card. And then there are also crimes that have taken place on holidays, such as the murder of Darlene Farron and the shooting of Mike Michaud, which occurred on July 4th, the night of July 4th, actually. And Sherry Jo Bates was murdered on October 30th of 1966, but her body was found on Halloween morning. And um, the murder of Paul Stein occurred on October 11th, and Robert Graysmith even tried to say that there's this connection between the Zodiac and Columbus Day, where he listed Columbus Day as one of the holidays that the Zodiac may have been going for. I don't particularly um, buy into that at all. Um, I don't. I still insist Columbus Day is not a real holiday, and if it were, someone wouldn't really care about it enough to commit murder on that day, that is. But um, some of the other instances where this could have uh, actually been somewhat relevant are speculation or just going off in some type of far-out, wacky form of thinking in some type of theory where the victims were pre-chosen. We mentioned Darlene Farron. She was murdered on July 4th. Her birthday was March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Cecilia Shepard, the female victim from Lake Berryessa, who was murdered, um, she was stabbed on September 27th of 1969, passed away two days later in the hospital. Her birthday was on January 1st, New Year's Day. I completely see that there are lots of holidays, but I am definitely not convinced that the Zodiac killer would have had um, knowledge of Darlene Farron's birthday or Cecilia Shepard's birthday, or better than just one one of them, both of them. I mean, how some people have their theories on how all of the victims were pre-chosen and there's all significance in some characteristic of the victim's personal life, but I... I am definitely not a believer in that, only because I'm not convinced and I don't find the sufficient evidence. But in this one, I would like to talk about the 1982 Santa Claus card, and I would like to go over to ZodiacCiphers.com. If you're following the Zodiac Killer Mystery and you haven't read ZodiacCiphers.com and all of the excellent material there, you're missing out. I highly recommend it. And I would like to read this little introduction that has been written about the Santa Claus card and the murder of Joan Webster. Joan Lucinda Webster, a 25-year-old Harvard graduate student, disappeared after her arrival at Logan Airport on November 28, 1981, and her remains were identified nearly nine years later on April 30, 1990, in Hamilton, Massachusetts. Joan Webster's parents made a heartfelt appeal for any information pertaining to their daughter's, to their daughter's disappearance, which was broadcast throughout New England on Christmas Day 1981, less than a month after her disappearance. On January 18, 1982, a $10,000 reward was offered by George Webster's employer, the International Telephone and Telegraph Company, for any pertinent information regarding the disappearance and present whereabouts of the young Harvard graduate student. Gareth Sewell Penn, by some considered a Zodiac killer suspect, contacted George and Eleanor Webster, suggesting that the missing woman may have been the work of the Zodiac killer. He was convinced that a Santa Claus greeting card was fashioned by the Bay Area murderer and likened it to the November 29, 
1966 confession letter, that's talking about Sherry Jo Bates, of course, by use of Morse code and binary, along with a whole host of other mathematical trickery, in a vain attempt to forge a link. However, he was able to receive photocopies of the Santa Claus card and envelope to which he refers to in a communication from the FBI files. And the Santa Claus card has, seems to only be recorded in the form of those photocopies. I was even writing with Eve Carson, and I asked her, do you have a better copy of the Santa Claus card from 1982? Yes, of course, we can see it online, but it's very dark, and a lot of the features cannot um, be made out clearly. But the side that has the writing on it say, says, uh, Ridgewood, New York, please, where can I write you? S.C. Now, um, Richard Grinnell from Zodiac Ciphers did point out that Gareth Penn had a correspondence slash FBI communication. Let's look at that. Let's look at the attached correspondence. Thank you for sending me the photocopies. I'm sorry for that you have to be subjected to this crank mail. I don't see much worth commenting on in that mail except the Santa Claus card. It is crawling with Zodiac hallmarks. Enclosed, it enclosed in a five pp analysis it would be useful to know the date on which it was postmarked and the place in which it was postmarked you have to make up your minds about how you want to take this and what you want to do about it but my opinion is that the police just aren't ready for the zodiac please don't put be put off by my writing about you in the third person i wrote this up just as i would any other analysis and kept a copy for my own files just in case with your permission, I will send a copy of the card and this analysis. A forensic psychiatrist with whom I have been working for, on, who have I been working with this on this for the last year, knows the workings of the criminal mind inside and out and is very familiar with the zodiac pattern. I recommend sharing it with him, but unless you say that and you don't mind, I won't. I wish that I could do something really helpful for you, but this is about the best I can manage. Again. Don't hesitate to call or write if you think I can do something. Okay, well, uh, thank you to Gareth Penn for writing that out. There's a reason why I wanted to talk about this Santa Claus card and the link between the Webster murder and the Zodiac today. It's not only because I've been doing a regular segment on Joan Webster, and it's not only because I've been doing a regular segment on the Zodiac killer. I was asking Eve Carson very directly. Why is the Zodiac Killer connection between the murder of Joan Webster and the Bay Area killings incorrect? And she said some things that kind of went in a gradient, if you will. The first is that the FBI dismissed Gareth Penn's Time 17 book on the Zodiac Killer. You heard some of this here about Morse code and binary. They just thought it was um, messing around with math and numbers. But then... I began to ask Eve some more questions, and she shared something with me about the true author of the Santa Claus card, and she has accused none other than Gareth Penn himself of being the author of this. Now, why would he do something like that? Well, it could have been to convince those two people you heard about, George and Eleanor Webster, that the murder of Joan Webster, their daughter, where at the time it was just the disappearance of Joan Webster, her remains weren't found until 1990, to convince George and Eleanor Webster that there was a Zodiac Killer link 
in Joan's disappearance. And right now, I would like to go to the email that Eve Carson has written me about Gareth Penn's involvement with this. And she says, Hi, Ned. Penn had already picked out O'Hare as his suspect before Joan ever disappeared. He was working in a group in the he was working with a group in the East to promote it. That's how the 2020 group got involved, tailing Michael O'Hare. That, of course, is Gareth Penn's prime suspect for being the Zodiac Killer mystery. When Joan Webster's story hit the news, it fit into Gareth Penn's theory. Michael O'Hare is a victim of Gareth Penn's speculation. Penn still insists his theory is correct. He relies on numbers and cryptology. Not every crime is solved that way. Most are not. In Joan Webster's case, there is real documentation and evidence to follow. If I were a betting person, I think Gareth Penn sent the Santa Claus card to the Websters. He was trying to convince them of his theory, and this was the answer. They got other pieces of anonymous mail as well, some later identified. Penn sent an anonymous package to Michael O'Hare later, so that is something that he would do. Penn saw this as an opportunity. Did Gareth Penn actually go on to fabricate something in the name of the Zodiac Killer? Did he actually do this? Is this something that Gareth Penn would do? I do think of him as a conniving individual, and if you haven't read his book, Time 17, I highly recommend it. It would give you a different take on the Zodiac Killer subject. You can also hear the six-part book discussion that I have about Time 17 here on this channel to hear more about Gareth Penn and his Zodiac Killer suspect, Michael O'Hare. I mean, I don't know if it's co coincidence or not, but Joan Webster was a graduate student studying architecture. Michael O'Hare has a degree in architecture, as well as being a Harvard graduate himself. For Gareth Penn's theory, it definitely seems to have fit in very, very clearly. I mean, he had a suspect that checks all the boxes for what he was trying to show. Gareth Penn's Time 17 is about how Almost everything you could imagine in the Zodiac Killer world is a mathematical signature. If there are two letters, then they must have some type of mathematical significance. You can convert them into binary or Morse code or something like that, and then it can give you these different types of um, mathematical clues, and they can all be rearranged to show different number patterns. But did he actually go and um, write this Santa Claus card? to get the attention of George and Eleanor Webster. Well, I mean, the first piece of evidence that Eve Carson points out here is that um, Gareth Penn did send an anonymous piece of... He sent a, an anonymous package to Michael O'Hare, so this seems to be in his uh, wheelhouse or just something that he would do. But um, as far as picking out Michael O'Hare before Joan Webster disappeared, um, Gareth Penn was looking at how you seem to have someone who has a very high understanding of mathematics, and Michael O'Hare seemed to have fit in the bill. And this relates to something about Michael H.O.H. His name is Michael Henry O'Hare, the connection to water and the Zodiac Killer mystery, Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, Lake Berryessa, and Paul Stein was murdered in Presidio Heights, but there was a fire hydrant very close to where his taxi cab was, the final confirmed Zodiac victim, and Gareth Penn does indeed think that Sherry Jo Bates was a genuine Zodiac Killer victim. She was murdered in Riverside, California, 1966. So many places seem to have the names of 
bodies of water in them, river, lake, springs. So he thinks all of these victims may have, um, there might be some clue there. And what is H2O? Water, H-O-H. Maybe you had someone with the initials H-O-H. Well, okay, it's not perfect. Like everything in Time 17, there seems to be some type of imperfection, but how about Michael H-O-H, Michael H-2-O? Um, I do not believe that, Zodi that the Zodiac Killer was Michael O'Hare, because talking about how um, Penn still insists his theory is correct, he relies on numbers and cryptology. Not every crime is solved that way, most are not. Okay, we've done some other things about Gareth Penn in Time 17, and I mean... I read off a rebuttal that someone had written about it. Okay, he has his numbers, he has his rearranging of the digits, but how can he even place Michael O'Hare in the state of California at the time of any of these crimes? Michael O'Hare's own admission, he actually wrote a rebuttal of um, Gareth Penn's accusations against him and said that he, to the best of his knowledge, he wasn't even in California during the Zodiac Killer crime wave, so that is a big strike against him. Gareth Penn is somebody who definitely becomes a more fascinating Zodiac Killer suspect as well, because he is the researcher who goes on to become a suspect. As far as his involvement with the murder of Joan Webster, there's an excellent video that is made by Joe from the Zodiac Killer Insight series about the murder of Joan Webster, and it features the comparison between Gareth Penn and the man who was uh, the last person to see Joan Webster before she disappeared. Joan Webster's at Logan Airport. She is waiting in a taxi line to get a cab to go to her destination. When somebody approaches her in the taxi line, and this is a bearded man with curly hair that is somewhat disheveled, he seems kind of messy, and the eyewitnesses describe this as a very casual interaction. She didn't hesitate for a second, and she went along with this guy, who could have possibly been running an illegal taxi, also known as a black taxi or a gypsy taxi, and gotten in the car with him. Or, Eve Carson has also accused Joan Webster's own father, George Webster, of being that bearded man. Now, when I was talking about this with Joe from the Zodiac Killer Insight series, he said very clearly, he cannot connect Gareth Penn to the murder of Joan Webster extremely easily, or there doesn't seem to be a lot to uh, connect him to the murder. However, he does heavily resemble that composite. I mean, if you got the beard, the eyes, the face shape, the only thing that seems dramatically different about Gareth Penn is that he doesn't have that dark curly hair. He has much um, lighter and very straight hair, but um, I do think that it is, um, it's not proven. I mean, I do think he is the closest resemblance to the composite that I've seen, especially when you look at some of the other suspects. The authorities absolutely disagree with the Zodiac Killer narrative, and they insist that Joan Webster was murdered by the serial killer Leonard Paradiso. Eve Carson, author of Mommy's a Mole, disagrees with both of them, and we'll finally hear about her exact suspect who could have murdered Joan Webster in the second part of this episode. So please stay tuned if you want to find out who could have allegedly killed Joan Webster. That'll be mentioned in the second part. But to get back to the Zodiac Killer, I would like to go to the um, next message that Eve Carson has written to me about the Santa Claus card and Gareth Penn. The Zodiac crimes required looking at 
cryptic clues. If you accept Gareth Penn's numerology and crypta analysis when he has found a suspect that fits his methods. In Joan Webster's case, there is a great deal of actual evidence. I think Gareth Penn and a lot of others were intrigued by his theory because they couldn't figure out another explanation for Joan Webster's murder. A lot of evidence and documents were hidden. Penn had a bit of a following for a time, and um, this is going to go on to talk about uh, some other things that I just need to give a little bit of a precursor to. The assistant district attorney and prosecutor in the uh, case against that man, Leonard Paradiso, was named Tim Burke. He was never actually tried for the murder of Joan Webster. Instead, they convicted him for murdering someone named Maria Iannuzzi in 1979. Maria Iannuzzi was murdered on August 12th of that year. She was strangled with her own scarf tied in a double knot and found in a marshy area near Lynn, Massachusetts, on the banks of the Pines River, actually. And this says, Tim Burke was in a bad place. He did adjust some of the story after Jones' remains surfaced in 1990, but not much. Only enough to sidestep the irrefutable facts when Joan was surfaced. Tim Burke and his associates were too committed to the story of how Joan Webster was murdered by the serial killer Leonard Paradiso and her body had been dumped off of Paradiso's boat into the Boston Harbor. It's amazing to me that he had the nerve to write his book. His book is called The Paradiso Files, mind you, but I'm sure that he assumed people either forgot or couldn't get enough of the records to disprove him. Authorities cover his rear end because it is an open case, but it is a huge embarrassment for the state. Tim Burke could face some serious consequences if this gets pried open enough. I'm not the least surprised that he hasn't changed his tune. I studied a lot of CIA-related documents when I dug into Joan Webster's case. I'm not familiar with um, the 13-month calendar. Oh, I should actually share one thing about this. I asked um, Eve Carson if... Um, she was familiar with Dolly Day because her book, uh, Mommy's the Mole, talks a lot about the CIA and Joan Webster's parents, George and Eleanor Webster, both had connections to the CIA. And I wanted to know if she uh, knew anything about the ritualistic operations of the CIA and how they may have been committing crimes on certain days and then blaming it on some occult boogeyman or just blaming it on some other people who are involved with rituals and Maybe there are people who are committing crimes in the CIA who are just finding scapegoats so they can do destructive things because they can get away with it. I wanted to know what she had to say about that. I studied a lot of CIA-related documents when I dug into Jones' case. I'm not familiar with the 13-month calendar or Dali Day, but I would be interested in knowing more about the sources. However, the CIA was largely unbridled. They did do some very bad things. Your commenter is correct about the original organization, the OSS, under Bill Donovan. Operation Mockingbird was the broader umbrella of MKUltra. The mind control methods are very concerning, even as I look into Joan Webster's case. They studied cult and occult behavior, used drugs, physical torture, etc. George and Eleanor certainly maintained that mindset. George was very controlling. I remember more than once telling George people have different perspectives because they have different experiences. He didn't accept that. He presumed that people should think the way he did or believe what he told them. The CIA is a factor in understanding Joan Webster's case, but not that the CIA or an enemy of the agency took her out. I do not believe that happened. 
The concern is the mindset and behaviors of her parents. They truly not do not view the world in the same way the average person does. CIA behavior even was even more problematic and bleeding over into familial relationships. There is zero question George wanted people to believe the boat story, that is that Joan Webster was killed by Leonard Paradiso and her body was dumped in the Boston Harbor, even when it made no sense. He influenced Tim Burke to write his book, The Paradiso Files. What parent of a brutally murdered daughter does that? George is complicit in covering up Joan's murder. They were the ones with the secrets. Now, Eve Carson um, does make a bold claim in this. Gareth Penn is the author of the Zodiac Santa Claus card that came in 1982. But I think the bolder claim is that Joan Webster's own father, George Webster, may have been the person who set her up for murder. And I'll give you one spoiler. He is not the person she accuses of actually murdering Joan Webster. But, I mean, that's as dark as it gets. And I've said this in some previous episodes on the subject, but it relates to Joan may have had knowledge of a family secret that was very dark, and that one of the uh, Websters, or probably both of them, George or Eleanor, may have had some felony that had been committed, and Joan had knowledge of it, and they wanted to silence her because there could have been very drastic consequences. Eve Carson also shared an email with me that George Webster had written her that um, sounded very deranged, someone who was not in a good state of mind. Let's talk about the Zodiac Killer angle for a second, though. As far as Joan Webster's connection to the Zodiac Killer mystery, this was highly publicized. You'd heard at the beginning, that there was a $10,000 reward. This is going into the media, on television, in the tabloids even. Anybody could have learned about this from the media coverage. The Santa Claus card doesn't even seem to bear too many hallmarks. There's no zodiac symbol. There is not um, anything that would draw a reference to the crimes in the Bay Area, it's very vague. And more importantly, where's all the stuff? I will state some facts that only I and the police know. Or why not talk about somebody by name? Like, Gareth Penn's talking about the Bates confession letter that happened in 1966. The whole Miss Bates went to the slaughter like a lamb. Where is any of that addressing? Like, or talking about how the crime was committed. I first removed the distributor and then I tampered with her car, and then I led her down to the slaughter. Those details simply are not present. And there's nothing in the Santa Claus card that would suggest that that person was the murderer, that that person actually was present when the, per when the victim was murdered. I mean, I just do not see any of those details present. I think the more shocking thing, and the biggest motivation for me to do this episode was because Eve Carson accused Gareth Penn of being the author of the Santa Claus card, and perhaps he just um, genuinely believed Michael O'Hare committed the murder of Joan Webster, and he wanted to get some more focus and attention and have access to Joan Webster's parents, or he could have been pushing phony baloney, because as I said, he's a conniving and calculating individual. Um, but somebody left a comment recently once saying, Kirith Penn is just a clever clown. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. 
But uh, thank you for listening to this segment here on the Zodiac Killer Santa Claus card. And if you would like to hear about some of those uh, pieces of evidence, the source documents, and the suspect that Eve Carson has identified in the murder of Joan Webster, who actually may have been responsible for her death, please stay tuned, and I'll be back right after this. <laughs> 